I'm Sean Delaney, and you're listening to What Got You There. What Got You There is a must-follow for entrepreneurs, creatives, high achievers, and change makers. Each week, I sit down with some of the world's most influential people and focus on the journey behind their success. We uncover the strategy, tactics, and routines that help them get there. Now it's your journey, so it's time to learn what's going to get you there. Uh, what got you there? What got you, got you? If you're enjoying the podcast, then you might want to check out some of the other things I'm working on behind the scenes. I put out a weekly newsletter called Momentum Monday, which is just a quick synthesis of everything I've been reading, listening to, and watching during the week. I also do a once-a-month deep dive called The Distillery, which is a long-form distillation on someone whose thinking has greatly impacted me. You can check out past distillations of Josh Waitskin, Yen Liao, and Nick Konis, and everything else we're putting on at whatgotyouthere.com. Today on What Got You There, I sit down with J.P. O'Brien, who is the CEO and Managing Director at Black Lab. He's a serial entrepreneur, investor, and community builder. And what J.P. is trying to do is he's on a mission to inspire, activate, hyper-enable scientists, entrepreneurs, investors, elite athletes, and creatives to design and build a more beautiful future for all of humanity. He's tackling big problems, which is why I love this conversation. And and Black Lab builds and invests in human tech ventures with themes centered around longevity, consciousness, community, and environment. And on this episode, JP and I explore a lot of those things, and we also dive into finding your core purpose and what the world's changemakers all have in common throughout history. So if you're interested in unleashing your human potential, you'll love this conversation with JP O'Brien. Are you looking for a delicious and healthy nutrition bar that is keto-friendly, low-sugar, and protein-infused? If so, look no further than New School Snacks, who's reinventing the low-sugar snacking revolution. Now, for me, health is one of the biggest things I think about, and eliminating the sugar from my diet is crucial, and that's why I love New School Snacks. So if you're one of those people who also want to change the way you approach nutrition and snacking, then head to NewSchoolSnacks.com for great deals on their collagen bar loaded with healthy fats from MCT oil, and while you're there, pick up one of their brand new mouth-watering French Toast Crunch Bars. That's NewSchoolSnacks.com. JP, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks, Sean. Thanks for inviting me and excited to be here. Absolutely. We're going to dive into a lot of interesting things all around unleashing greatness, building connections, doing some meaningful work. But I would love to know just to start, is there a mindset of yours that if you could just pass on to anyone, even early in their career, you would just love to pass that on to and think there'd be just these amazing benefits for them? The mindset question, I love it. Uh, Big start here. Um. Well, I guess I'm still, well, I will admit, by the way, to start off, Sean, I'm a beginner, right? I've got a beginner's mind. So uh, I am just on a journey. So things I've learned along the way, and maybe my opinion, especially around things like mindset, um, I'm definitely kind of in first, first, second grade, third grade, maybe. Uh, so I've got a long way to go. Um, but from what I've picked up so far uh, is that there's this trio, maybe three legs to the stool that, um, from a mindset perspective. So one, if we take a step back and look at how ridiculous this is, this life is, we can see how insignificant we are. I mean, we're sitting on this rock spinning in the middle of space going millions of miles an hour around black holes. And there's a sun maybe. And, you know, like, this is crazy. Like for the, this, this actually to be real is so probabilistically impossible. Um, and so 
having some respect for like for that just being like kind of puts a, a certain mind spec mindset into place the second thing is you can then take that and say well then what's the point of doing anything right but if you instead say hey so we have this amazing gift called somehow i'm, I'm in this human body and i have consciousness why not go all out so one we're insignificant two go full send right? Go all out. What does that mean for you? Does that mean on the football field, lacrosse field? Does that mean at work? Does that mean with your family? You know, take nothing for granted type thing. And then the third leg of the stool is, and this has kind of maybe been the most profound for me over the past, you know, five, six years has been to basically surrender to what actually shows up, right? So it's insignificant, but you really care. So you're going to go full out, but then whatever shows up, have this ability to almost be like a somebody at the movie theater like you're watching it but you're in you're in full vr mode <laughs> and so you're experiencing it and i think that that if you can balance those three things um that's that's a mindset i think well that will unleash you to really figure out what your purpose is in life and then to how to live that fully and regardless of what life then responds to based on your actions because you're living it fully you'll be able to really enjoy that life and i think that kind of and suffering and actually creates things that like are hard work and pain actually being into experience. So I'll, I'll stop there for a second because I know that was a lot. No, no, no. So much for that, that Shoshin, that beginner's mind. Uh, it seems like you've explored the depths of this a little bit. I would love to know though, uh, when you surrender, like what does surrendering fully mean to you? Mm. You know, it was, uh, I think it was I was uh, listening to Sam Harris the other day and he said it kind of nicely. So I'll borrow some of his words. Um, He said, you know, uh, how many times in our life we've been set up with fear about the future or uh, fear or hope. And both those things look actually very the same, which is they, they create this sort of um, feeling of like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Or I hope this happens. And the idea of being able to surrender, just truly enjoy where you are this second, like right this minute. Because if you look back, you probably don't remember those fears that much. Or they, at the time, they were significant. But if you look back now, you're like, well, most of those have forgotten about them, right? Or even those hopes, like I guess I went through the experience and now all of a sudden I'm here. So to me, surrendering is about kind of full acceptance. It doesn't mean that you're like super happy about everything, right? It doesn't mean that you're, upset about everything. It just means like, wow, that's amazing. It's like watching a great movie and you're like, I had no idea that was going to happen. That's amazing. You don't really put emotion behind it. So if we can kind of go into life and accept what's actually showing up, it doesn't mean we don't act or react or or start to be proactive in, in what we're deciding to do next. It just means that we truly accept what's there and be present. Um, that, that's what it means to kind of accept and surrender. Yeah, this is something I, I try to implement as well. I'm wondering for you through, throughout your, your daily life, how often are, are you able to surrender to those moments? And I guess I'm asking, like, how often are you thinking about the past, thinking about the future, letting some of those emotions kind of throw you off tilt? Yeah, Sean, I'd love to hear your take on this. So I, uh, so just a little bit about some of my practices. I, I'm new to meditation too. I've only been meditating for about eight years. So um, I actually learned it. My brother happens to be a, uh, a teacher. Uh, I say shaman. He doesn't really like that word. He's a teacher. Uh, he teaches in the Lakota tradition. And, um, and, and just eight years ago, I went up to him and said, Hey, you know, you're doing this amazing work. Like, 
can you tell me about this meditation thing? And of course I was coming at it because I wanted to increase my productivity and performance. <laughs> and he's kind of laughing. He's like, sure, come sit down and let's walk through it. Anyway, I dive into this thing. I love, I think meditation is one of those things that, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but everybody should make a practice around of learning their own version of meditation. Um, so I've been doing that for, for years and years and years. And it wasn't just till about a year ago that I kind of hit a different, different, and I studied lots of things, koans and lots of, you know, Japanese and Buddhism and lots of different types of meditation techniques. And then um, just recently, um, and I can't remember the teacher who talked about it, but it was saying that the, the it was a, it was a, uh, it was a Buddhist kind of teacher. And he said, listen, I think the, the reality is that meditation is kind of useless once you understand that the benefit of meditation is to find the meditator. And, and that was really, uh, that really woke me up because I realized that, um, I was trying to be super present during those meditation times, but the opportunity is actually to be super present during the entire life. So even during this conversation, right. Can I truly just be right here with you right now and have this conversation and not have that future or past either, whether it's a hope or a fear or kind of distraction, can I just truly just realize that this 10 seconds that I'm kind of in right now is all I have. And so that's where I've be, kind of started to get to Sean is always being in that moment. You just mentioned some of the other practices that, that you've dove into in the past around Zen, Buddhism, exploring all these different things. Are, are there ones that most resonate with you or are you kind of picking and choosing from, from all the different ones that are out there? I feel like this is, uh, I feel like I'm, I've just scratched the surface of this knowledge. You know, um, there's, I didn't know, I mean, I knew about Zen, but I didn't dive into it until that was about four years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why, who's hiding this from me? <laughs> it was the most amazing opening, like seeing all this and experiencing it. It was the most amazing thing. And then, uh, so I, I feel like I can't wait to like turn the next page and be like, again, be blown away with knowledge and wisdom that's sitting right here for me, but I haven't even seen it. No, I love that kind of that, that discovery phase, right? Like we're all seekers to some degree. And when you uncover yeah. those little bits of knowledge, just going so much deeper, you, you kind of could become aware of how little you actually know. This, this is so great. I love kind of what you've built out around your mindsets. I'm wondering though, like one of the biggest things for me is just learning some of the things I need to unlearn and then kind of like letting those go. Are, are there any things like that, that you just had to unlearn, forget, or, or just push to the side in order to really unleash yourself? Um, I'm sure there's lots. Um, and I'm trying to think about uh, a good story. Um, I mean, I think the, I've learned, so in the active learn, some of the active learning, I've learned like the ego gets, you know, for me anyway, was definitely something I had to really work on. Um, I would, in the past, I would put a big wall around and shell around me to try to protect something and then that ego would kind of make me blind to and, and deaf to hearing new information. Um, so that's probably the biggest one. And uh, it's come in many forms, but um, when I, there's been instances where I've used other techniques to kind of crack into that shell. And if, if you're vulnerable enough and willing and daring enough to kind of let that shell go off and expose yourself, um, then you really actually are almost protecting yourself more. 
Um, so I think for me, it's been about not going back to my, an old tendency, which has been use the defense mechanism of like, you know, turtling up almost hiding, like getting into that shell for protection, but instead really showing my, you know, being willing to share and show my, what I truly, who I am and, and what I believe and, and being vulnerable. No, I appreciate you thinking about that, exploring that, like, this is one of those really hard questions, right? Like, not only do you have to be aware of some of your flaws, your biases, but then you kind of have to shed them. Uh, one of the really challenging things to do. But you were kind of talking about meditation there. And I know that you're constantly um, at the forefront and surrounding yourself with people who are also at the forefront, cutting edge technology, health. Are there other things you do throughout your day pretty consistently uh, that you just think have massive benefits? Yeah, so um, we are we are all about wellness, and that's kind of comes in the form of you know uh, physical health, so exercise, uh, but maybe even more importantly, what we eat and our nutrition. Um, so I've spent the past decade really working on that and thinking about that and exploring that, actually starting companies in that space. Um, we have in our lab, we have a whole uh, wellness, we have a whole la uh, human performance laboratory. So, you know, turf and lifting equipment. And so getting to peak performance there, but we also have all the modalities of, you know, body work, whether it's acupuncture and massage and cupping and dry needling and all those uh, different modalities. Um, we're also working a lot with regenerative medicine. Um, so we, from a physical perspective, that's a key element to saying, Hey, if you've got this one, you know, body, uh, why not allow it to be as beneficial as possible and how it to perform as, as good as it possibly can. Um, and then the second thing is our, our cognition in, in our mental health. And so we work a lot with self-development and, um, it gets kind of goes all the way to the point of things we're talking about here, this cut, you know, consciousness question, like what is consciousness and where are you and how conscious are you? What percentage of the day are you actually conscious? Um, and then that turns into, you know, once you kind of go into that realm, it turns into spirituality in a piece. Right. And you can call that, you know, heart, you can call that, I wouldn't call it religion for us, but um, exploring your, your spiritual side of it and how you connect to others uh, do you see me versus you? Do you see a oh, global one? Uh, how you connect to the bigger system of the earth? Uh, and, and so when we, when we think about uh, the system, um, you know, again, going back to those, that mindset of like, in one sense, we're insignificant because this thing's going to go on and do its thing. And, and it's amazing. Uh, at the same time, we, we have, we can affect and so why not go do our full send and, and do the very best we can? Uh, and then regardless of what happens, how do we kind of enjoy that ride? Because that's what this is. It's a gift, right? So really enjoy the ride. No, I love that perspective of this as being a gift. You and I think about things somewhat similar as well uh, in terms of the body. Uh, I kind of think about, and I don't know who, who originally said this, but your body is the only temple your soul ever live in. And I think about that a lot. And I want to take care of this, this body that is going to be here for this time. It, it's fun because what you're doing, uh, exploring the big questions, and believe me, we're going to get a lot into Black Lab Sports, but I'm wondering for you, you were kind of talking about those, th those three pillars here uh, in terms of mindset, and then just kind of talking about going full throttle again for you. When, when you're fully unleashed, like when JP is just full throttle go, like giving everything you've got, what are you going after there? Mm. So I did, a, um, I went down something I call now core purpose search. And this was about 
uh, you know, about eight years ago. Um, listen, my, my life before that was, was, was really good. Right. I, I talk about it as I was good at playing the choose your own adventure game. You know, I, I was able to, uh, you know, get into a great college, pick an engineering degree, aerospace, mechanical engineering degree, do really well in that, you know, just, you know, graduated distinction, got an amazing job with Anders Consulting was this, you know, and I was just, I could do these things. I was able to um, pick the right path, if you will, right? It was the Choose Your Own Adventure book. You want to marry the maiden, go to page 52. You want to slay the dragon, go to page 80, right? And I, and I was good at that game. Um, but when I looked back, I didn't feel like I was actually creating any of that. I was reacting to what was showing up. And so something would show up and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go this way or I'm going to go that way. Um, about eight years ago is when I went down and I said, hey, listen, I really want to figure out uh, what my purpose in life was and or is. And um, and so for me, when I'm full send, my purpose is to unleash the greatness of the people around me. And so those are just words, but that to me, those are very, very motivational, like super core deep inside me. And what that means is I'm full sent when I have an amazing group of people around me that are all fired up, that are living a purposeful life, that are, are basically chasing, you know, what that means and doing a full send with the work that they're doing and the people around them. Uh, and inevitably, though, that's around solving and working on big, messy problems uh, that, are, that are basically impacting humanity. And so if I have a group of people cross-disciplinary from artists to investors to entrepreneurs to, you know, athletes and tactical athletes, everyone kind of getting together to say, hey, let's go solve these big things. That's what gets me fired up. With this core purpose search, uh, I'm wondering, like, what did that even look like as you were just discovering that even more? I know you kind of said eight years ago, it was like, hey, what is my purpose here? But what did the actual process for you look like to, to come to that definition? Yeah. So for me, uh, it, it was kind of just, it, it hit me one day. I was like, Hey, I, I'm, I need to, I need to figure out what my purpose is. And I started reading a lot. Um, some of the, you know, and actually started, so I'll tell you this, the book that started it for me was I read, um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And, uh, and in there he was talking about all these greats, uh, you know, um, from Carnegie to Franklin to these people had changed history, uh, especially in the kind of, you know, 18, 1900s, uh, what, and what their mindset was. And so that was really interesting. So that triggered me. And then my next book was uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And that story is about uh, Viktor Frankl, who uh, was a philosopher, but was in a concentration camp. And he, he realized that the setting of where he is in, he's not in control of. He couldn't control the fact that he was in a concentration camp. But the only thing he was fully, uh, really in control of is how he responded, his mindset during this environment. And he said, this will be the pivotal time. This will, I will create a new philosophy because of given this situation. And he did. And he was one of I think just two or three survivors out of that entire camp. His, he lost his wife. He lost his kids. Uh, horrible tragedy. Um, but out of it came a his book that he literally had to memorize in his head because the Nazi um, uh, prison guards would steal, uh, take away any kind of thing he wrote down. So he literally wrote a book in his head. And when he was freed from the camp, he then created this new uh, this new philosophy. And so that that opened me up 
that made me realize that everything is about our mindset and how we approach and how we think and how we respond to things. And if we are, if we, if we kind of go after something and we believe it and we want that to be true, all we have to do is kind of work through that scenario. So I'll pause there because I, I, that was the start of the core purpose search. Um, you know, he found his purpose, which was to define this new, to live through his concentration camp so he could define and launch this new philosophy and teach the world that it's your mindset and how you approach. That was, that was absolutely impactful to me, right? How, the per, how somebody can do that. So I went down and literally just started to keep on reading other folks. And I was reading about Da Vinci and Carnegie and Einstein and Feynman and, and uh, Mozart and Beethoven and, and even, you know, Elon and, and Gates and, and Phil Knight, these people who've done amazing things. And, and what was it that they had in common? And what they had in common was they had a personal purpose that was the core of everything they did. Uh, and they, they then put all of their work around that purpose. Um, and they, they basically understood that all they need to do then is turn those thoughts, like what, what they think about the creativity into reality. Um, so that was my process. And it took me about eight months, to be honest with you, just reading people and reading about all these amazing folks, realizing, again, being a systems engineer, right, aerospace engineer, that there has to be a repeatable process right? It can't be random every time. So what are these amazing people doing? And the process I saw was exactly that. Figure out your core purpose and then learn how to turn thoughts into reality. When doing all of this research, coming across all, all these legendary people who achieved greatness, did the majority of them understand and have this purpose defined? Or is it only in hindsight that we were able to articulate that this is actually what was at the top of everything for them? No, I think uh, I think when you read, um, you'll see that they've all have a very defined. They may not say my core purpose is right. They won't use those words necessarily. Um, but when you look through uh, time and you read about them, um, absolutely, even their autobiographies, they all have this. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't always socially acceptable what their purpose was. Right? It doesn't mean like it fit the norms of that day, but you could tell uh, during these stories that everyone had a, a very specific person, purpose. Yeah, I would actually love uh, a little bit later in this conversation to, to revisit that of going against the grain. A lot of these change makers, you know, like we were talking about earlier, they're asking the big questions. Uh, they were really going against society. W one of the things I love that you highlight with this, um, and, and it is clear going through a lot, a lot of these people's biographies, and even you mentioned Napoleon Hill. I was recently revisiting a conversation. It was him and uh, Andrew Carnegie sitting down, and this is like the, the forefront of all of it is like, yes, purpose and mindset. And uh, yes. two, two more recent models that I just think about a lot around the impact of mindset and what it can do for you uh, were, were two, two studies. One of them, well, one actually wasn't a study. It was someone who was involved in a study around antidepressant pills. And so he shows up at the hospital um, and heart rate going crazy. Like he, he's on the verge of death because uh, he took all of these antidepressant pills. He had a fight with his girlfriend. And it turned out he was actually part of a research study. Um, and they were placebo pills. They were just sugar pills. And he basically put himself into a state of almost death. And so that's like on the negative side of things. But you think about it. All he took was sugar pills. But his mind 
told him something totally different and it literally changed his body. The other one I think about, this is actually a study that I just love and it was around um, mate or um, housekeepers in hotels. And so all of them, they, I guess per average, uh, each hour that, that you're doing housekeeping, you burn about 300 calories. And so they asked all of these housekeepers if they do any workouts, physical exercises, all of them said no. And they took half the group and they told them that actually when you're doing all of this cleaning, you're burning about 300 calories um, per hour. And so what ends up happening over the next six weeks, the ones they told them, all of them, all of a sudden biomarkers skyrocket uh, to the positive. They start losing all this weight much healthier. And it's just crazy. It's like these little shifts in mindset fundamentally change who you are and to me i mean you could look at that like in the negative or you can look at that as the most empowering thing right like we talk about like superheroes to me that's an absolute superpower uh so so i love that you're just uncovering all of this uh, i'm wondering if if you're can talk- i ask you a question sean yeah yeah I'm, I'm curious have you gone through this process this core purpose search so like we we all have different definitions of things and how we view it um it seems like we are kind of coming at things from the same place. Yeah. So in the past few years, I've defined, uh, what, what I define as, as my core purpose. I'm not sure if it's exactly aligned with, with how you would map it out or what you think it is. Mine's just create, evolve, discover with love. And so the way I think about that, like I love creating, right? That zero to one phase, whether that's in, in sports, art, business, anything like to me, that just gets me up. I just love that. Um, so, and then just discovering, right? Like there talking about mindset there's so much unknown and i love that whether that's um travel whether that's our own potential so i love creating i love discovering um that's just like so key to me and then obviously within that there's evolution right like evolution is going to happen um and so i want to continually evolve uh even when i was really young i just remember thinking like certain people would talk about they, they had a job for 50 years and I, I mean i remember being like five years old i'd be like i could never do that in my life like I, i'm going to be doing a lot of different things and so for me that evolution right and that final component is is with love. And the way I think about that is I want to be surrounded by people that I just deeply connect with. Um, so I, I've got like some really great people in my life and I just love that. I love meeting new people on uncovering new things. That's like one of the great things about even doing this podcast is not only do I get to learn from people like you, uh, but then also other people learn from these conversations and then connect. Um, I, I got to spend about an hour connecting with uh, a listener, probably 10 years younger than me the other day. And we were just kind of exploring some of these big questions. He was like, Hey, I've been listening for a few years. And that's that with love component. Um, um, so create, evolve, discover with love. That's kind of how I think about everything that drives my actions in life. So I, I don't know if that's exactly what, how you approach your core purpose, but for me, that's kind of what I've mapped out the past few years. And so one of the things that I do is um, actively is that I ask, I ask that question that, uh, just about everyone I come across because I want people who don't know it to, to get on board with that, that it's important. And if you're not on board with that, it's okay, but we're probably not going to do a lot of work together because it's, it, we're not aligned in kind of how we see our, the importance. Maybe their importance is you know, financial or some kind of other area that the, while those things are important, what's most important to me is, hey, are you living your purpose and how's it aligned? How can I help you do that? So um, it's, it's fascinating to me when I talk to folks, there's, I, I find there to be three groups of people. More, probably 90% of people have never really thought about this question, right? What's your purpose in life? So, whoa. That's an interesting question, right? Thanks for asking. Um, out of those, out of those people, probably about eighty percent of the people, uh, when I meet them again, you know, a month later, they forgot the question, right? They, they they didn't spend any time in the next thirty days to consider that or go down a path or start to explore. It. They got back onto this this wheel of just running, right? Um, life just got swept them away again. Okay, here we go, right? 
uh, the other uh, the other 20% of those folks really are starting to look at it. And, and what I find to be common is that like, I don't know what it is yet, but I'm curious. Every time I open the door and I look around the corner, like, is it going to be this person? Is it going to be something there? Like, what is it? And they became, they like lit up. Like they're so curious about life again. Um, and then there's the people who do know it or, or are working on it. And you can see the, the, again, kind of that passion, the, the, the light, the fire that's kind of behind them, just like you just mentioned, right? Like I love hearing it because it's pure energy. Yeah. Well, you, you even mentioned that process. I, you, I don't know for you, my, my process was, yeah, I, I got really curious about that. Like started asking some of those bigger questions and then unveiling that there's some of these commonalities behind like the true reason behind doing a lot of the actions and a lot of different things in my life. But I mean, this was a process. It wasn't like for me that I just instantaneously came up with, with create, evolve, discover with love. I mean, there was a ton of work for me. And yeah. that's just my own process. Like I've got to uncover the deeper meaning of things. Um, so yeah, this took months and months and months for me to uncover. Uh, I'm wondering just because you work with, with so many entrepreneurs, artists, creatives, everything like that for people who haven't even started exploring this, like where do they even begin? So we do have actually, um, as part of Black Labs kind of, um, I call it curriculum, but basically our, our, our language around communicating, we actually have a mastermind group where we meet. Um, and so we, we walk through some of this stuff and, um, you know, I think just opening that question is, is a good starting place. Um, I always recommend people read about folks that they admire and, and what was their mindset and how did they approach it and what the com- commonalities are. We have some frameworks around uh, learning this stuff for yourself and exploring it. Um, I think the best way truly is just to say, be cur- like, know that that's important. And if you if you kind of understand that, that how powerful and impacting that is to you, um, that just be curious. Your purpose is to find your purpose. And it's okay if it takes 10 years. Uh, but, but that can be a starting place. Um, it can be as simple as that, really. I mean, I think just being around other folks that are willing to ask the question on Monday meetings before they start, you know, or go around the room and say, Hey, just reminder, my purpose is to unleash the greatness of the people around me. Hey, my purpose is to know the skills and that I do uh, the people I do life with. Hey, my purpose is to serve and create amazing technology that my purpose, you know, that's empowering, right? All of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, man, this is great. I know what you're really dying to do. I know what you're dying to do. I know what you're dying to do. So it's, it's almost one of those self-selecting things, right? There's going to be a certain number of people listening to this, and they're all of a sudden, like, that, that curiosity is going to be sparked. It's going to be peaked for them, and they're going to be like, you know, wait, I, I want to uncover this for me. And then that curiosity leads to them exploring, leads to uncovering, and that, like, directionally that progress, where that arrow's headed, um, that's like almost one of the key things, right? Like we're, we're just discovering so much about ourselves in that process alone. Uh, so I love that. I think it would be really helpful actually if you just kind of map out what you guys are, are building over there at Black Lab Sports uh, because I love it. Obviously, uh, I mean, the listeners will find out here in a second. It's just aligned a lot with with how I think about the world and what I love looking at and, and getting intrigued by. Um, but I would love for you to just kind of like map out the ecosystem you guys are building there at Black Lab Sports. Sure. So, so about seven years ago now, so I, I find my purpose. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do part two of my life. I found my purpose. I'm like, Oh, amazing. Unleash the greatness to be around me. What should I do? I could be a teacher. You could be a coach. I could start another company, but what came up was to build this ecosystem, call it a vehicle where people as crazy as I guess me and you could come together and actually work on uh, really messy problems uh, to, to push humanity forward. And so um, what we built was we, um, we, we raised a, a fund 
um, investment fund vehicle that we can invest in startups. Uh, we took down a warehouse in Boulder, Colorado. We converted it into part human performance laboratory, part part high tech hub for you know, kind of think of it as like a you know, accelerator, incubator, incubator space for companies to get together. Uh, part wellness center, part art studios, and art collective, part video studio, um, part three PL. So we can actually ship. We actually build partnerships with all the sporting goods company uh, retailers and like Dick Sporting Goods, for example, you know, Academy and whatnot. And our whole thing was to build this platform where we could say, hey, innovation is a key thing. And for uh, for us to help kind of solve these big problems, how do we make it a platform for anybody to come in? Again, you could be an artist, you could be a special forces operator, you could be an athlete, you could be an entrepreneur, you could be a brand new entrepreneur, you could be a college kid, you could be an investor. But how do we make this a place where people come together a blank canvas so we can actually work on amazing projects and watch those in. So we raised a fund, we invested in a bunch of companies, we launched a bunch of companies, we started something called uh, the Human Performance Summit uh, and Experience, which is bringing together all those folks uh, annually. Um, and, and it's just been amazing, uh, the, the growth of this and, and the excitement around like we have people, I'll give you an example, you know, we have people in special forces. Now, it's not like they're going to go weave their job in the DOD, uh, Department of Defense. But this is another group of people that they can then partner with and almost have a, you know, I don't want to say try, but basically a people who have a, a similar mindset about purpose and pushing forward that's outside their existing uh, company organization that helps them to do their job better, right? So you could be in Google, you could be in a venture firm, you could be an entrepreneur in your own company, uh, you could be an artist, you could be a you know, NASA, you could be, you could be in, you know, at Harvard or, or at Yale as a professor. And all of a sudden now you have another group of people that are cross-discipline exploring these things. And in, in today's, you know, day and age where technology is growing at such an exponential rate, um, this group now can actually act very nimble to launch new companies, new technologies uh, that benefits, again, you as an individual, us as an ecosystem, but also the whole point is to, to take these technologies to market. Yeah. Some of the things I, I really love about this is uh, clearly you can tell like based on a lot of the people I interview, like I love cross-disciplinary thinkers. I always think about the Renaissance time period. You had artists, creatives, you know, like entrepreneurs, writers, everyone getting thrown in. And the second component that I love so much about this is it's positive sum in nature, right? Like you might be a great artist and then right next to a great technologist and they're thinking they, they can learn from each other, and that creates these positive sum win-win games for everyone, uh, which is really, really cool. I, I know there's going to be a lot of listeners. We're, we're going to have all that linked up where, where they can dive deeper because there's some really cool uh, things that people can get connected with on blacklabsports.com. But I would love to know how you think about the element of community. I mean it's such a key component in all of this, and I would just love to know even like the early days. What was the thinking there in terms of getting all of these different people in space, and then how do you build community from that with people who are coming at the world slightly differently? Well, very differently um, in some cases. Yeah, great point. Yeah, you know, um, I think really it starts with. Um, it starts again with trying to minimize the power of the ego. So if you can get people together and you can create a safe space 
And I do that by saying, hey, Sean, I know you. And oh, by the way, I know Joe and I know Susie. I want you to all three meet. And by the way, I trust all three of you. You now, by relation, can trust. You, you feel some safety there, right? And even if that person is somebody you would no, not normally ever talk with or to, and not you, Sean, but someone else, right? Might not normally be in the same circles as that other person. That creates a canvas of exploration. And then you challenge them, right? And you say, so here's the here's what we're going to, we're going to challenge ourselves uh, to think differently and open up. And so you're setting that, not just that canvas, but you're setting the parameters to actually put people out. And it's a self-selection process, right? Um, we have, um, I'll give you a story, but before I do that, we have, uh, we kind of have two, like one rule and one philosophy behind the culture, right? Our one rule is no assholes. <laughs> and it's, it's been used before, but when you make that to be the starting point, it really, um, again, it's self-selecting. Like certain people don't show up to that because they realize that maybe their negotiation or how they've been able to manipulate or kind of enter a certain uh, group is not going to be tolerated or accepted. And the second thing is our, our philosophy is to give first. Uh, again, you've probably heard that. Actually, the first time I ever heard of it was actually Napoleon Hill, the go-giver, right? Uh, but the idea of go give to build a relationship, don't ask to build a relationship, right? Uh, go give something, right? And I think that's um, that's how we that's how we can actually help each other, and that's a great way of starting. So, I'll give you the story then. So, at our first Human Performance Summit, this is about three years ago, we got. Uh, by the way, we got about 250 people here across again all sectors. At one table, I've got uh, the. the Philip Thomas, who's running human performance for the Green Berets at Fort Bragg, right? probably one of the top human performance specialists in the Army, um, and uh, an amazing human, by the way. Um, he's become a very good friend. Uh, and then we have uh, a shaman, Jude Sky, at the same table. And of course, I put, I, I get to set the tables up. Um, so these two people would, you know, they could be on a flight for 20 hours and um, they wouldn't have talked to each other, right? Like they don't have anything in common, they think. And then we set the framework and some of the exercises we do, we get people to start to think about what's the utopia for the world and what's dystopia. And what we realize is instead of talking about all the steps to get there, if we just talk about where we could be, where we could end up, people actually are pretty well aligned, right? Everyone wants like things like freedom, and equal rights and, you know, uh, security and all these things that, you know, everybody wants. It's just how we get there can be a little different. Anyway, during the conversation, it's a full day uh, summit. Philip Thomas says, hey, listen, you know, we're, we're pretty good at doing a lot for our, for our soldiers right now. Like we can get them to run through walls. We can get them to, you know, take a shot and keep going. Like, but the concern is that on the flip side, you know, we have a real problem. We've got 22 suicides a day now in, in special forces. Like, like is what's going on here? And how do I, you know, we have to think about the full career, not the career, but the full life of these amazing humans, not just how they perform in the, you know, in six 20 to 20 years. And Jude says, well, I can help you with that. And he's like, what? He's like, well, that's what we teach us like we were, you know, Lakotas were warriors. And so we had to send those people off and then come back and reintegrate. 
So anyway, they start talking. So this, this happens at our summit. Next thing you know, about two months later, uh, the Green Berets uh, has, in Fort Bragg is uh, paid to, bring, to let Philip Thomas and a couple NCOs up to Jude's land in Colorado. Uh, they spend a week together. They're doing sweat lodges, fire pits. They even do a, a vision quest up on a mountain. And it completely changed the language around what's possible, right? So, and now we're still trying to figure out, okay, what is, you know, he probably tried to bring that back to Fort Bragg. Hey, can we, how do we integrate this? Can we integrate this? This is new technology, this ancient new technology, right? And I think that's what's amazingly possible when you bring really, really different people together that are really trying to access and get to the same place. I hear that story and I feel like the first thing that comes to mind for me is you need to be open to this though, right? Like how important is that? Because I just think about so many people that just automatically shut down ideas and, and refuse to even explore some of these things that might challenge their beliefs and might challenge their views. And I'm just wondering how you think about that just because you've seen this so much more than I have. Oh, it's critical. I um, I mean, just think about what we've changed in the past 20 years, Right. I mean, I grew up in an era where, you know, this is your brain on drugs uh, and now pot's legal in, you know, almost every state I'm in anyway. Um, like that, what I mean, we've gone through so much radical change in how we see beliefs and what we think is true. So um, you have to enter every day with that curiosity and the willingness to challenge your beliefs and whatever, again, ego facade you've put up in front of you. Yeah. Along the lines of that, I'm wondering, one of the things that you've seemed to have done a really good job of is, I don't necessarily want to use the word like reinventing yourself, but I would view this as taking on the unknown and really challenging yourself. And I'm just wondering for you, what has been like the reoccurring theme that that, allow, that allows you to do that continually? That's a good question. So I'll... Um so just to emphasize that point, I, I do feel like that's uh, something I learned, but I didn't know that all, all along. When I first, when I left, uh, so when I left college, uh, I went into consulting. I was a technologist, a software uh, developer. Quick detour. College. You played two sports at Cornell, right? I did. I did. I played football across <laughs> just for a short time. I, 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 had a, I had a little, a couple of years in, 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 in the, the physical sports, and then I uh, started building race cars, actually. But I, I, I just think about even like dabbling in multiple domains, kind of that, that curious nature even seems to be present even earlier in your life than, than I might have initially thought. Yeah, it was it was always there. I just didn't, again, I didn't recognize it as being something that was unique. Um, out of, uh, in Anderson Consulting, uh, I became an architect building these massive systems for these companies, JP Morgan, GE Capital, Sprint, um, at a very young age, which... Uh, it was pretty amazing. So timing was, you know, I give timing really uh, a ton of credit there. Started my first company in 1998 with uh, three other uh, Anderson guys. And um, and that was my bug. I was the CTO. And we sold that company about 18 months later. Um, after I sold that company, I actually um, met uh, a couple of gentlemen, Phil Seafried and Dave Maney. And uh, they called me and said, hey, uh, don't hang up this isn't a sales call. And I was like, okay. And he said, this is uh, Phil Seafried. Uh, I'm just, I'm the former uh, COO of Credit Suisse First Boston. We're starting a merchant bank and we want you to come help us start it. And I'm like, merchant bank? 
are you guys going to take credit cards or <laughs> and, and a merchant? I didn't even know it, but a merchant bank is an investment bank. So a company that helps other companies buy, sell, buy companies, sell their company or raise money uh, along. And it has a, a, basically a fund associated with it. So that our, in our case, it was a $10 million fund that we could co-invest along with, you know, other equity partners. Um, and I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> and so I jumped in, helped them, you know, build that. I actually sold our first uh, company um, and then realized I wasn't a banker at heart. But yeah, that's the, that's the, I, I would say the way, the way and, and I remember my brother-in-law saying, JP, how do you do that? How do you go from like software startup to investment banker? Like that makes no sense. You don't even have an MBA. Like how many, you know, financial courses you take, do you even know what Excel is? And, um, and, uh, and I think it's, for me, it's curiosity, right? It's like knowing that you can learn anything, like you can learn anything, right? That's not a problem. The question is, do you want to do the hard work? Do you want to learn it? And do you really curious about it? And if you are go after it. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things to, to really think about, like you can learn anything, uh, which to me, I just view as this really empowering mindset is if you think about like some of the most elite fighter pilots, like on the planet, that's gotta be one of the most complicated, high speed, real time decision-making things you can do. And the best in the world are basically doing that almost to a subconscious level, meaning that they took the most complicated tasks on the planet, moving at hundreds of miles an hour and are able to execute almost subconsciously. So it's like, you want to think about learning anything new, uh, just look to a great fighter pilot. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wait a second. Yeah. We're capable of so much more, but, but to your point, not having any industry experience, any knowledge, you said you basically were just really curious. Why the heck did those two guys call you to join them? Like, what was it in you that they, they saw? I'm wondering like, whoa, why were they calling JP up? Yeah, again, it was good timing. Uh, what Phil was trying to do is he said, listen, we, we see a, a gap in the space where middle market investment banking, uh, a couple of the companies at the time had just been bought by big banks. And so uh, he wanted to bring Wall Street ex- experience, Wall Street expertise, like Credit Suisse, First Boston type of, here's how you run a deal and pair it with the very best entrepreneurs. And so Dave Maney was actually an amazing entrepreneur. He just sold a company for, I think, $80 million, World, World Bridge. Um, and I was coming in on that side. So with Dave, I was like the resident entrepreneur. I've got empathy. I understand what the entrepreneur needs. I understand selling your baby is really hard. These guys over here tell, tell different jokes. They see the, the world in different lens. Um, the bankers just, they, they don't always fit. And so we wanted to build this merchant bank, this investment bank that really had the empathy and capability to understand the mindset of the entrepreneur, but have the expertise of a Wall Street to get anything done. Gotcha. No, I appreciate you you being open. Clearly, you have plenty of skills and expertise uh, that that would why they would have called you. Uh, I appreciate you going go a little bit more depth in there, though. Uh, something that you were talking about earlier, I, I'm just always always curious about other people and learning. And you mentioned Napoleon Hill and things like that. And some of these great th- thinkers throughout history. What about for you right now? Um, I know you've exposed yourself to a, a lot of interesting thinkers and doers. Is there anyone right now that you're just really intrigued by how they approach the world, their mindsets, their thinking overall? Anyone like that come to mind for you? There's a lot. There's some amazing people that uh, are making changes right now. Um, I will say that uh, probably, maybe not answering your, maybe I'll let that question brew a little bit because I don't want to make the some of the obvious answers. But uh, one thing that recently came up for me, Sean, is um, have you read this book, The Grand Biocentric Design? 
No. Uh, is that somewhat a, I, I read the book Biomimicry. I have no idea if these are any of the same principles. So I'll just, I'll just, no, I have not read it. Okay. All, all over the floor back up to you. It's, um, it's by, um, uh, Professor Lanza out of uh, Wake Forest. Uh, and, but basically, um, this is a, this is a hard premise. So basically it's the combination of quantum physics paired to our reality. So in quantum, right. So the, the thesis is, um, and you may just decide to kill this entire section, <laughs> Sean, during post-production. Let's I don't roll know. With it. Let's roll with it. <laughs> but let's roll with it. Quantum versus Einsteinian Galilean type physics, right? So we understand that there's still a problem in matching those two because, Einsteinian physics, this, you know, basically uh, space-time continuum um, only goes in one direction, right? And, and it's predictable with, with very specific um, uh, equations and algorithms. Quantum is fully about probabilities. And there's been proven in experiments that the only thing that takes um, basically breaks down the probability is a conscious observer. So there's a classic experiment, which is the double split uh, experiment. And you have a photon emitter going towards two split, uh, two slices in the, in a fence, let's call it two little hole, little slits in the fence. And it creates this amazing kind of wave of probability of where things are going to hit. Once we put a camera at one of those slits, it no longer, it takes, goes from probability to absolute and it every single time and it changes it. And, and this is hard to understand. Um, so you'll have to, you have to go to your own research, but just for the sake of it, let's believe that this is what's actually happening at the quantum level. So probability turns into, you know, a particle, a wave turns into a particle. Um, this, when you start to take this up into uh, the Einsteinian world, and this is Schrodinger's cat type experiment, right? Um, taking a probability um, and trying to turn it into how does it affect us? The, the grand biocentric design basically says that the reason the world exists is not because the world exists and we happen to be here, but the reason the world exists is because we're a conscious observer and we're creating it. And so it flips the conversation around. And what's so intriguing to me about this right now is that it does have everything to do with mindset. It does have everything to do with purpose. And if you go down this path of quantum, and if you read, again, you can read the you know, biocentric design, what's going on there and the research behind it, because it's actually scientific research and, and exploration and, and um, that, uh, that, that is fascinating to me. And so when I think about what, what's possible with that, um, to me, that's one of the most exciting things that uh, I've fallen, fallen kind of into recently in the past six months. No, I, I love hearing about these rabbit holes. People just get really entrenched into. Um, so it, it's always fun getting some new reading material. What about for you? And this could even be, let's just call it like the last 10 years. Has, has there been a thing, an idea, concept that just has like fundamentally shifted how you approach things? I know we were talking a lot about purpose, but but something else other than that, just a new way of seeing the world. Has anything like that come to mind for you? Yeah, I think the the, the thing we're doing at Black Lab is we're you know we're a couple of things. One is we see uh, we see there to be you know a massive set of problems you know coming up here, 
Um, and so what I always say is we've got three choices. The future's coming. We can either fear it. We can wait for it to be consumers and wait for it to show up, or we can be part of the team that designs and creates it. Um, and that's, that's again, a mindset, but I think it's a rallying call around people who want to actually design and create the future. Um, if we wait for it to show up, then someone else is going to create it. Uh, and we can be consumers of that, or, or we could fear it and not want it. And that could be good things, uh, or we think are good things like the iPhone, but then they have unintended consequences. Um, or they could be bad things like this, you know, again, from the economist that I listen to and read, um, you know, this next great depression that we're going to hit in 2030. Um, so if that's going to happen, right, if it's going to be as bad as a concentration camp, if it's going to be as bad as Viktor Frankl, how do we go through it and create something amazing out of it versus fear it or try to avoid it to the point where, um, you know, it's detrimental? I'm thinking about that. You mentioned those three different types of people and the ones who want to be a part of that. It's going to self-select, right? I'm wondering how you think about now that the world is so global, how you think about that self-selection process. That's much different, right, than it looked like 20 years ago where it was so just small communities. Are you approaching things differently now? I'm just wondering how Black Labs views this because of things like the internet and how globally connected we all are. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're excited about um, about the technology changes. So, for example, let's use five G, you know, and this, the combination of five G and the smartphone and the internet. Those three things. We're going to have right now. We have about four and a half billion people that are actually online, uh, but we have eight billion people here in the on the globe. And within the next eighteen months, we're going to have the rest of the world go online. So those are going to be uh, voices. They're going to be people that are learning. These people never had access to Google. Think about that. Uh, they, they're going to have potential access to this, uh, you know, podcast. Um, and, and there could be consumers. They could be uh, vendors. They could be providers. They could be partners. They could be part of your tribe. So we're super excited about this opportunity to start to uh, expand out and have the entire kind of globe uh, be connected like it's never been connected before. Just thinking about new opportunities, of course, one of the things you do is you provide capital to, to startups and entrepreneurs. I'm wondering, are, are there specific things that, that you're looking for? Just because you've worked, you've advised, you've invested in so many in the past, like what are the the, unco- the commonalities that you've uncovered that you're like, yep, it needs to fit this mold? Yeah, so our investment theme um, for this next decade, we want to invest a billion dollars over the next uh, eight years. Um, in the theme of the human. And so we break it down to four main areas, vitality. So wellness, health, living, you know, really healthy until you die, probably adding a couple decades to that, even, you know, to your current lifespan, but um, as well. Uh, the second one is you talked about it before community. What does that really look like? And how do we down the road build community in a way that's beneficial to us as an individual, our, our mental health, physical health, and our society health? Uh, the fourth one is consciousness. I really believe as we have more and more, as we continue to kind of benefit from our abundance that's go- that we're going through in, in, in this world, uh, people are going to continue to want to grow. And it's no longer going to be about just shelter above their head. It's going to be getting into higher levels of consciousness. And then uh, the, the fourth one uh, is environment, which is we have to, we are a closed system. 
right? Even if we go to the moon and to Mars as a as a as a species, we we are part of this closed system, this ecosystem of the Earth and beyond. But uh, so the environment is super important. So that's how we think about kind of thematically. So now that doesn't drive any decisions. You could come to me and say, "Hey, I have the best solution for one of those pieces." The way we invest is 100% about the people. So we look at people, 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 <laughs> and then is it going to help a billion people? Uh, does that solution have the potential to address a problem that a billion people are facing? And um, and that's and that's how we look at things. So um, the people side of it: uh, Are you do you have a purpose? Are you purpose led? What are your values? We do a lot of work with Gunther Weil and his biometrics to look at uh, what he's doing there. Amazing stuff. Um, do you have the capability to be on stage in three years and be leading uh, the conversation, be leading the dialogue around what you're working on? Um, and so those are kind of how we start to look at those people. doesn't mean you've had to run, you know, 10 startups before. It doesn't mean you have to have all this experience. It's just kind of really like, what is, how are, how, what have you done so far that's woven you into this spot right now that we can believe with our community to help you that you could be the one kind of being the leader through, um, you know, the next decade. Yeah. What's so fun about this is, is you and I could spend decades talking just specifically about people. So you mentioned, can, can they be up there on stage leading their company? How do you think about the people that are basically un, unrealized potential? Like that, that potential is in them. It hasn't come out yet. How do you think about that in these companies' journeys? Um, I mean, I think we've all been there. I mean, I, I was there at one point, and and uh, and I'm still trying to find my, my my full potential. So everybody I meet, um, it's just about going through, and, and you know, I think you can. For me, anyway, I can. I I seem to have a sense of when people are are awake and conscious of who they are and where they want to go and who they're not. Um, and that's a great place to be. And is, so to is me, that that's, pattern that's recognition for you. What's that? Is that just pattern recognition? Like you've worked with so many people, seen so many different people, or is that just a, a different skill set you've developed? Probably a combination. I mean, I think the pattern recognition is around the stories and the language and then what people say to, they're going to do and what they do. Um, even in the small things. Um, so, yeah. Is that one of the things you explore a lot, actually? The small things? Yeah, I think it's, you know, this goes all the way back to, you know, behavioral interview training, you know, in the mid-90s. You know, tell me, you know, are you more optimistic or pessimistic? Or are you more a realist or an optimist? And they give you an answer. Like, oh, cool. Tell me a time when you displayed optimism over realism. And if they can't show that this is a behavior, like we, uh, we are, we are basically a system ourselves, right? So all these inputs come into us. We have sight and sound and taste and smell, and we have, you know, our sixth sense and we have our uh, internal thoughts, but basically those are signals. And then we're basically hardwired. There's, there's a lot of software in there too, but we have hardware and software as running that could be predictable exactly how we're going to respond to whatever event comes in. And if we, think we can just um, change all of our behaviors and habits because we just want to, the answer is no, right? We have to actually start to rewire the plasticity, the plasticity in, our, uh, in our brain to actually get us into a different behavior pattern. 
Um, it happens through meditation. It happens through, you know, seven habits of <laughs> uh, successful people. Um, and so not to dive into all those different techniques, but very quickly you can see people's default behavior um, in small things. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't, we don't need to dive into all those techniques, techniques, but clearly it's just showing the breadth of knowledge that you have. So, so for someone who, who's just constantly trying to learn themselves, what is that process like for you when, when you're coming across new ideas, things you want to explore further? What is your learning process like there? So one of these things we do is we have we call monthly intentions. And so we do our five areas. Uh, so we say you need to have a very, something very simple for your body. So it could be like, I'm going to work out three times a week uh, for your mind. So this is like the learning side. I want to read a new book. I want to learn French. <laughs> I want to play piano, whatever it is, uh, for your spirit. So this is more about belief and knowledge. What do I really think about immigration? Like, stop listening for a second what my politicians are saying or the news is saying. What, what do I really believe? Like, what is the real problem here? Like, so those sort of things. Um for how what you buy for intention, how do you want to deal with a relationship or how do you want to you know work on a relationship? Maybe it's your wife or your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a good friend. And then the fifth one is how do you want to show up with, at work? Like what how are you going to literally show up for other people? How will you be space for people? And so we do this monthly. And um, this is a great tool because it's not like I'm committing to changing my life forever. Yeah. But you, can you imagine, Sean, if if every year you had 12 beliefs that you challenged and now have a knowing on or 12 things that you learned you know that compounds exponentially and um this is a great way i think of every month to set those intentions they're super small but you you read them you know them and you know that this is what you're supposed to be working on every day for 30 days and then you move on to the next step yeah. I mean, my, my insides are just screaming like, hell yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be the most crazy mind changing thing ever, but these little steps, they really do. You mentioned that compound interest have such a profound impact over time. Uh, so I love that. I hope the the listeners are really going to start implementing some of these things you've discussed. Uh, I wonder just, just being able to step back, analyze yourself a little bit. What do you think you're best at? I've gotten, I believe I've gotten good at, um, motivating, leading. So Mike, so I'll just say it this way, and this might answer very quickly. When we turn those, those, uh, those words to unleash the greatness of people around me into a mission statement, it's to inspire, activate, and hyper-enable change makers and thinker doers to propel humanity forward. And I think that's what I've gotten good at. I want to inspire you. I want to activate you. And then I want to hyper-enable you. If you're one of those folks who are like, I want to take on the yoke and go to go and go. I know we, we could spend hours and days, weeks, months exploring this, but is there something you've uncovered about activating people um, that you might not have known 10, 15 years ago, but it's just so apparent into that recipe for success to activate someone correctly? You know, it's what you're doing here. It's a lot of questions. It's the it's that math, method of being Socratic and, and not trying to tell people, but have people explore it because you have no idea where they are at. I had a, a, another investor um, by the um, by the lab the other uh, the other day, and we were talking, and he was getting into all the details, and and I just stopped and asked him. I said, "Hey, by the way, you know, we're I want to reemphasize we're very purpose based, and I was just curious, what's your purpose?" 
and his body language completely changed. He, he kind of got nervous. He crossed his legs and he took a breath and he, he's like, oh my gosh. Right. And so we were talking about all these things and he was exploring all these concept of purpose and what that could do when you have a whole community around focused on these things. But then when it flipped and you asked him about that, I mean, you could see that was an activation point for him, right? There was a true aha moment where it became introspective. And I think those are, that's like turning the light bulb on for a five-year-old when, you know, when they learn about the blue sky or something, right? Like those are magical moments. Yeah. Well, one of the great things is not only having those magical moments, but actually being able to realize that one of those magical moments is occurring and then what transpires next. Uh, It's always interesting to see that shift certain people that they understand it in the moment, but then it continues with them moving on. Uh, I'm wondering for, for you, have you had any moments like that, but they were failures? Like what, what were the spectacular failures? Any big, you know, speed bumps you've had to uncover throughout this journey for yourself? Oh man, I've had so many failures. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, you know, there's been so much learning and sometimes the failures don't even feel like failures. It's just that, or they're not failures, how we think about them. Right. Um, they're, they're less, you know, they're learnings. And sometimes, uh, and, and I don't mean that like every failure is a learning, like we can talk about that too, but sometimes when you learn something new about yourself, you realize you've spent 40 years or 30 years doing some, like believing something that was, that now you no longer think is true. And I think those are, Fascinating. I'll just use the time um, and I'll give you a a, a kind of a story here. So I was going through kind of a tough patch um, and uh, I ended up going to, uh, I had scheduled time to go explore um, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. I don't know if that's okay to talk about here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And um, so, you know, ayahuasca is a plant medicine. and this uh, teacher was from Peru um, and had, and so we were sitting and, and typically in, in the experience I've been in, it's been in a circle. So you have about 20 people in a, in a room, um, they call them a singing circle. And, and then you drink this medicine and it creates uh, a reaction. Basically it's a psychedelic experience. Um, and it was in that time when I really found out and saw what I was doing around this shell thing I talked about earlier, right? Where I was putting the shell on. And it was so, it was almost like, again, I was watching a different movie or seeing something, somebody was telling me something new that was always there. And yet, like, it was starting to flash all these things, all these small and some pretty large scenarios where because of my behavior around my shell, I literally was hurting the relationship, hurting myself, hurting someone else being unkind, maybe even being an asshole at times. Right. And I, and it was like the whole movie played in front of me and it was just like showing me all these different pieces. And at the end of it, I remember almost like trying to give myself a hug being like, it's okay, dude. Like, it's okay. Like you have to now let that go. Right. If you can let that go, you can't, you can't control that. You can't fix that. But if you let that go, you can create a new behavior around how you handle uh, that environment. Um, that's how you can learn and move forward. Oh, that's fantastic. I appreciate you opening up, sharing that story there. Just a few final things here, just kind of 
understand some of the, the more interesting things that, that you've explored and uncovered. Uh, I would love to know if you could do this. Like you love questions, you love exploring long form conversation with anyone dead or alive. Who would you love just spending a day having a great conversation with? Oh, there's so many. I mean, in one level, Andrew Carnegie would be fascinating. Um, what he went through and, uh, you know, the entire time of the war and the steel and JP Morgan. And, uh, I mean that entire, um, episode be, would be, would be amazing. Um, I think to, to sit down and really understand, was he, was he conscious of all the things he was really doing? It seems like he was by reading his, you know, autobiography and, and whatnot. Um, but it was, you know, how much was that all kind of created through his imagination and turned into reality? Or was he reading a choose your own adventure book? So that would be fascinating. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. I'm pretty sure History Channel released it. This is like a, a decade ago. Uh, it was a show. It's like a six or seven part series. The Men Who Build America. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. I need to though. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure Amazon Prime has it. Um, all the four sent it over. So it's like, yeah, it's it's all about Rockefeller, Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, all of them. Um, so like, if you enjoyed some of the, those stories, those biographies, you'll love that one. Um, I mean, you've brought up so many interesting thinkers throughout the past. I know you and I have kind of talked about some of these people throughout history. Any other books that have just had profound impacts on you? Not just like, oh yeah, this was a really interesting read, but like, oh wow, this probably fundamentally shifted how I approach things. Any books like that come to mind for you? I mean, I mentioned some of them already. Um, I mean, Richard Feynman's books, you know, he's a physicist, but uh, he was amazing. Um, you know, I really I really thought Phil Knight's book, The Shoe Dog, was, um, it showed me a completely different story. And if you read, Read it from the beginning after this podcast, you'll see he was very purposeful and he had a very specific vision and he was able to turn that into reality. And, you know, his process of how to meditate was, you know, happened to be a bourbon at the end of the night, but it doesn't matter, right? He was, he was doing a very purposeful process around what he was doing. Uh, again, I, I guess I, when I look at this, this, the things that we're talking about here, and again, I'm still in elementary school, but I think that we can, we can, be pretty certain that this is a, a repeatable process that people have probably fallen into most of the time. And then after they've fallen into it, they write about it in some way. And that might be in some religious, you know, a sect uh, that might be in, uh, in autobiography that might be in the history of building amazing companies. Um, but that this process is repeatable and it'll be interesting to see that uh, as more and more people come online, how many people actually, you know, enter and try to achieve this process versus kind of just let life guide them through the river. That's awesome. JP, I mean, I appreciate so many things about you, but that beginner's mind, that ability to explore the unknown, ask those big questions, so many amazing things you're aligning with. I want to make sure the listeners can stay connected with you, find out more about what you're doing, what you're building over there at Black Lab Sports. I know it's blacklabsports.com. Where else do you want the listeners going to just to stay connected and hopefully join some of these things that you're building? Yeah, that's the best place to come in. And if you're interested, uh, that's the place to find what we're doing with our communities and our forums. Uh, we've just had, for example, a forum uh, just 
last week on the human eye, we had these amazing technologists from Mojo Vision and um, and Z3VR on, and then we also had Dr. Ali um, uh, Leland from uh, NASA on talking about actually what's going on in the eye. So this, we, what we're trying to do is bridge all this amazing technology, expose this new learning into other people who have probably no idea about what's going on there, but are, are coming at it in either experts in their own right uh, in some other field saying, hey, how do I engage with what's coming on? So um, yeah, we, we'd love to have people join and, and be part of it. Uh, reach out um, if you have any questions or if you're interested. That's so exciting. Well, JP O'Brien, I can't thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There. Sean, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.